Would you allow me to lead you in the prayer for illumination this morning? Let's pray. Almighty God, your word tells us that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for closeness to you. Help us to seek you and to understand the wonders of your word. Give us the grace to comprehend and lead us in the light of truth and justice through Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. It can be found in the Sanctuary Bibles on page 80 of the New Testament. It's the familiar story of the ten lepers. Again, I'll be reading from Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Listen now for God's living word. On the way to Jerusalem... Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen, choir. Thank you for leading us in worship with song. You've heard the scripture lesson read this morning, but for preaching emphasis, I want to lift out a verse for you. Then one of them, one of the ten who was healed, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He worshipped at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes and open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. A man once asked Jesus who his neighbor was, and Jesus responded with the story of the Good Samaritan. A traveler is robbed, beaten, and left to die on the side of a road. A priest, who would have been thought to be one who would show mercy, walks so by. does another. And then another comes along, one who is a Samaritan, who stops to help the traveler and shows great generosity to this vulnerable traveler, even though the traveler and this one their communities would have seen each other 
And having told the story, Jesus turns to the man who asked who the neighbor, who was his neighbor, who the neighbor was in this particular story. And the man replied, the one who showed mercy. Jesus ends the exchange with an instruction saying, now go and do likewise. Now this has been a guiding scripture for us for this fall's sermon series, Go and Do Likewise. But it leads us to another question, which is, what does likewise include? So this fall in worship, we have been looking at the scriptures to understand what disciples do. That is, if we are to follow Jesus, if we are to really follow in the way that God invites us to, What does it look like to go and do likewise? And what is our likewise? Today, in this particular scripture, in this particular sermon, our likewise is gratitude. Gratitude, which is more than a simple thank you. It's gratitude that eventually turns us toward joy. When something good happens to you, what do when you something do? good happens to me, something really good, my instinct is to go and tell my wife or my family or a friend. And when something happens that is really good to a friend, I, I hope that, that they would be excited enough to share it with me so that I can be excited with them. You see, when goodness enters our lives, often I think our instinct is to celebrate with one another. We give thanks together. We can share one another's gratitude for what happens in our lives. And modern science actually is beginning to suggest that there are good reasons for this, good reasons for sharing our gratitude, to live out our gratitude. It turns out it's good for our well-being. An article in Forbes magazine a while back reported that people who live gratitude, who give their gratitude, live better lives. Living with gratitude can help you sleep better at night, feel less aggression, experience enhanced relationships, and improved mental and physical health. And a bonus for those who have committed prayer lives, it turns out going a step further that apparently prayer can help us experience this kind of gratitude that brings well-being. Likely words from a pastor, right? But based on all the things that we hear that are, are good for us, that are good for our health and our bodies, and how often that we as a people are generally willing to change our lifestyles for positive outcomes, it seems that good health might not actually be enough. It might not be enough for us to seek an attitude of gratitude, as they say. So it begs the question, what would? Now in the scripture today, something good, something great, something maybe even spectacularly amazing happens quite wonderfully for 10 individuals healed of conditions that kept them isolated from their community and one of these 10 responds with an exceptional display of gratitude now these are 10 men 
with some kind of, of skin ailment. And this ailment in, in their culture of the Bible at this time would have made them what was called ritually unclean. This means that in the eyes of neighbors, they were not fit to interact with. And in order to return from this seeming marginalization, a person whose condition is healed could then go to a priest and would be ritually welcomed back. This is overly simplified for the purposes of today, but after being so isolated, after being removed and out of connection with their people, Jesus restores these ten to their families, to their friends, and to their communities. It seems like something so extraordinary that one can't help but to give gratitude. Now, as Jesus walks through this village, these ten lepers had called out a request from the distance, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, normally, mercy in this context would have been food or or a little bit of, of money, but Jesus instead sees them. And his reply is different than expected. Jesus says, go and show yourselves And so the ten uh, lepers do as they are instructed, and they go walking toward where they will find the priests. And as they do so, their condition leaves them, as the scripture says. And with a visit to the priests, they are then restored and ready to be in community. But one turns back. One faces Jesus and offers thanks, offers praise. And seeing only one turn back, Jesus asks a question. There were ten of you, weren't there? But the other nine, where are they? You see, it seems like an odd question to me for Jesus to ask. This one who turns back is actually the one of the ten who disobeys Jesus. Jesus said to go and show themselves to the priests. And I have no doubt that the other nine followed the instruction with diligence. They are receiving their lives back, after all. And the one who turns back looks down, sees that he is healed, and he just cannot help himself. He turns to Jesus with gratitude, with worship, with joy. When I think about this question that Jesus asks, what about the other nine? Nine, well, I have to imagine that the one returned home so quickly to go and embrace his family. I imagine that several started to celebrate with one another, having become a community to one another in their isolation. I imagine that one looked down, saw he was healed, and just didn't know what to do. It was so unexpected. I imagine it's even possible that there was one that likely grumbled a bit. I'm I'm grateful for being healed, but it should have happened another way. 
You take all the possibilities under consideration, and I imagine that probably in most cases, the nine celebrated and went on to share the good news of this grace that they had experienced, this grace that gave them their lives back, that gave them a new life. And the one, this one though, who turns back, has a different kind of experience than the others. Still an experience of gratitude, yes, but it's an experience that's a little more profound, a little bit more complex. You see, the one that turns back to thank Jesus shows what the scripture calls doxazo. Now, this word may sound familiar if you are accustomed to liturgy and you know that when we get to the offering we will finish the offering with a doxology a doxazo who turns back to thank jesus the bible says also gave eucharisto he did what we do when we gather for the lord's supper when we gather for communion when we gather for the eucharist this one that turns back. When we celebrate the Eucharist, we give Eucharisto. When, when we offer God our thanks, our gratitude for the lives that we've been given, that we've received as a gift, we offer God our communion because God has sought communion with us first. And these are two ways, doxazo and Eucharisto, that we can offer our gratitude to God like the one who turns back. These are two ways that we can share our gratitude to God with one another in community. And so Jesus tells this one who turns back to him, Jesus tells him to get up and go. And another amazing piece of language in the scripture is that this word translated as as get up is the same word used for resurrection throughout the gospel. No doubt that for this one who turns back, it was more than gratitude. It was more than giving thanks. It was more than receiving mercy. It was the moment, a moment in his life that was nothing less than the experience of resurrection itself, of new This is no garden variety gratitude that this one who turns back offers. This is an authentic, a real kind of giving thanks. It has weight and importance. It has gravitas. You see, the one who turns back is also a little bit different even than the others. He was a foreigner, an outsider, an unwelcome outsider, one that was marginalized even before an illness. And at most tables, there was no room for him to begin with. So Jesus restores him by removing barriers that the other nine never even knew from the first place. And so when he responds with faith, a powerful kind of gratitude that is a response for a life that is totally changed. 
It is gratitude, the kind of gratitude that begins to redefine a person as its practice. Now, this Samaritan praising God is a reminder that there are just no limits to what God will do and no boundary that will keep God from doing it. And considering these kinds of circumstances, what is a disciple to do? We are to go and do likewise after all. And if the Samaritan is any model, we see that when we return gratitude in this way as this Samaritan, we too rise to new life. We rise to share doxology and we go into our lives grateful and able that these are gifts that we can share with other people. Now on one know. level, this is deceptively simple. You just go out and be grateful, right? Be joyful, check the box, end of story, do it again, rinse, repeat. But when we think about it, this actually requires a lot of intention. It can be really so complex. How does one respond to God with gratitude? A Benedictine monk, a man named David Stendelrast, has shared with the world his idea about cultivating gratitude. He says that when gratitude spontaneously rises in me, then happiness spontaneously rises in me. And the key to all of this, he says, is grateful living. For every moment is an opportunity for gratitude, he says. And falling into that view of the deceptively simple, his way of cultivating gratitude goes like this. Stop, look, and go. Stendelrass explains that we need to create reminders that cause us to pause, to become present, to become aware, and to be receptive to gratitude. And having done so, one then looks, sees, which means that we regularly observe and reflect on our lives and position ourselves to have a direct experience with our gratitude. And then the third step, go. Go means that one takes action, that one does something with the opportunity and awareness that this gratitude we are experiencing has offered for our very own lives. So we might say, disciples, go and create opportunities to stop and receive gratitude. Disciples seek to put themselves in positions to experience this gratitude and to see it in our lives. And disciples go to do something with the gift of gratitude that they've experienced. Now we are in a season of stewardship that is considering what we give financially to the church while simultaneously reflecting on and taking stock of the time and the, the talents, the energies that we devote to the ministries of the church. Faithful stewardship, though, is, is more than just planning 
what we Faithful give. stewardship is a response to that grace that we've already received, and that response is our expression of gratitude. It is our choice to give in a way that becomes joyful activity because we know that the ministries of the church offer grace and mercy and love, not just to ourselves, not just to those in this sanctuary, but to those in our neighborhood. So we know that it becomes joyful activity when we approach our own acts of generosity from this kind of framework of gratitude, because gratitude gives us eyes to see God at work, especially in the places where God's love is needed most. Gratitude gives us hands to join in the effort. Gratitude gives us lips to sing joyfully at every doxology. Gratitude gives us a kind of taste that when we gather at the table where we remember and we experience God's endless mercy and borderless grace, that we can also My give our thanks. for you and for me, for the church today, is that we may turn back to God often. And that in turning to God with a deep experience of being alive with gratitude, that we can turn to God, offering our thanks, always saying thanks be to God.